The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thanks very much to Lucy for the last couple of hours on home. Steffi Callister will be looking after you tomorrow from four. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide show number 243 with a look at the latest tech news and then we'll be exploring something that everyone takes for granted. We're going to be talking in a few minutes time all about Wi-Fi, how to get your home Wi-Fi optimised. Maybe uh, you've got a few not spots around the house, uh, how to fill some of those in. Uh, but first of all, it's time for a look at this week's technology news. Uh, we'll start off on the, on the various social media and Facebook and Instagram are launching some paid options. So they've obviously been watching uh, <laughs> watching the developments at Twitter and, and taking some inspiration from that. Yes, it's like a case of can we charge for something that people might not really think that they need and, and then desire because it sounds wonderful. Uh, so Facebook and Instagram, of course, both part of the Meta company, are going to introduce a post-boosting system, but it will be chargeable. So very similarly to Twitter's Blue Tick, uh, you'll be able to um, sign up for a, a bit more of a verified account. It'll be called Meta Verified. So <laughs> you can see that uh, we are just uh, going for let's copy what Twitter are doing. Uh, be about £10 a month. And uh, generally you'll sign up via a web page because they're trying to avoid the Apple or Google tax of doing it on your phone. And then you'll be able to basically make sure that you appear at the top of people's feeds. I, I or closer to is, the top. <laughs> yeah, and th this is the, the, the interesting divergence that we've seen with Twitter Blue um, and the, the paid app because Twitter's original Blue Ticks was that you were, it was free and it, the test was basically that you were noteworthy. So in other words, the Lawrence Mikalef that everyone's heard of as opposed to a random <laughs> Lawrence Mikalef. Um, okay, and, I've discovered several sort of, several random ones, but yes. It, exactly. I'm sure that I was an artist somewhere down in Southampton at some point. Um, but, but yeah, it, it does seem to have diverged from this identity verification for noteworthiness. So this is the celebrity public figure politician uh, company, that sort of thing, to okay, we'll, we'll do some verification, we'll make sure that you are a Lawrence, but not necessarily the one that, that everyone actually would recognise. Um, and it's much more geared towards the getting your posts up at the top of the list, because the original verified Twitter accounts didn't change anything in terms of how prominent you were, it was just a reassurance that, that you were representing this company or you were representing this individual. Um, I, I guess I'm a little surprised at how high these are accounts are being priced. Um, you know, £10 a month is quite a bit for a, a social media network in the sort of context of everyone's been used to this being entirely free. I mean, to be, uh, g give credit, they haven't yet announced UK pricing. True, true, but I, I so think that is, that know, is $12, $12 a month. Australian or New Zealand who are going to Okay, so that might be more be like first. £6, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, but even so, it, it feels like quite a lot for anyone who's using it casually. Um, and at the same time, I sort of wonder how, how effective this is going to be uh, against sort of spammers and, uh, and people trying to, uh, trying to be a bit devious. Because if you have something that is going to give you um, sort of good return on investment for that, then £10 a month is nothing as... You know, you, if you get one uh, sort of sucked-in victim, um, then that's paid for itself for, for a, lot, a long time. Um, I guess I'm a little bit dubious how this is going to work out. At the same time, I do support the idea that 
social media should move away from a commercial model of just relying on advertising income so you know, maybe if we can move to that then then that's a good thing We're, we'll see how it develops yes it'll be one of those watch what happens and um, and see how many social media networks are left to actually follow after that Mm, true. Uh, staying on social, staying on social media for a second. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> they haven't been out the news really. Uh, the, but the this later- one caught me yesterday. I think I fired up Twitter and it was like, sorry, what? Yes, uh, th- this is this is polarized views. Um, so Twitter is going to start charging for SMS based two-factor authentication. So this is two-factor authentication is the thing where when you log into uh, a site or service, uh, it asks you for a password and then it will do something else as well. So that might be sending you a text message and asking you to type in a code or confirming the login in an application or something like that. Or Um, send you an email. Yeah, email's a little bit dubious, but it is used somewhere uh, in some places. Um, Twitter is going to start removing SMS-based two-factor authentication from its free accounts. Um, That is, they are claiming because a load of fraudulent SMS traffic is effectively racking up huge great bills for them. Um, I think one figure I saw floated around was $60 million (laughs) a year. Uh, And of course, that's that doesn't take long if you're somebody who can automate that and you have ties to a less scrupulous phone uh, provider, probably not one yeah. in the UK, but in, in some countries that industry is not as well regulated, that can make a few pence off of each text message. You can then send a huge number of text messages and make a few quid. The downside of that is that two-factor authentication is a really important protection mechanism on social media accounts. We've seen them get taken over in the past. It can be a big challenge to recover if if your account does get taken over. And at the moment, something along the lines of 90-something percent of Twitter users with two-factor authentication turned on are using SMS-based 2FA. Wow. Okay, so, so it's, it's, this it's is definitely... a, a huge change for that set of users. I mean, I can understand Mr. Cost-Casting Musk has gone and, and looked at all the costs and gone, how much? Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. and, uh, for, for the business, is the right idea. For the general security of your users, is possibly not such a great thing to sort of do, although they are giving everyone a month. Yes, and this is where opinions divide, because there, there is two sets, of, uh, two sets of arguments here. First of all, 2FA is a really important security tool. You're removing one of the easiest ways uh, for people to set it up. That's a bad thing. The other argument says that SMS-based 2FA is one of the less secure methods. Um, They are not removing the alternates, things like using an authenticator app or a uh, universal second factor hardware key or touch ID if you're in the Apple world. if people move to those, they are going to be more secure and they won't have to pay. The question is, are most people going to move to those, in which case, EA, it's done a good thing, as well as saving the money, or are most people going to just turn it off and be less secure as a result? Yes, I'm just I, trying to I see. suspect that many people are going to, to, to turn it off, and that is a shame. Um, so... If you don't want to turn it off, if you do want to keep your Twitter account secure and you don't want to have to pay the money, um, then your best bet is to use an authenticator app. This can be something like Google Authenticator if you've got uh, an Android phone. Um, 
but also it's built into most password managers. So the, all the big ones, LastPass, OnePassword, Keeper, Bitwarden, we've talked about these in previous shows. Um, if you use a password manager application, that can probably scan the little QR code that you get to set up two-factor authentication, and then your password manager can then give you a six-digit code that changes every 30 seconds and let you log into Twitter with that. So that will actually make you more secure than using text messages, and it won't cost you anything if you use a password manager already. If you don't yes. use a password manager already, go and listen back to the episode on password managers. It's on the Cambridge <laughs> 105 Radio website. Yes, uh, just checked. Unfortunately, they haven't yet added biometrics to the Android app. Twitter, please. <laughs> True. Yeah, and biometrics is is a second factor. If, um, if it's available on iOS, we'd like to see that on Android, please. I think that that is an Android feature that's missing at the moment rather than iOS. So Touch I, ID I, I, on... I think so, because... Yeah, I, Touch I, ID I'm on just, the Mac certainly is a U2F compatible right. um, authentication. I mean, if possibly to add... Uh, biometrics as a 2FA in the Twitter app on my phone. I I would be quite happy to turn that on um, as well. Anyway, uh, security, yes, uh, is important. Uh, Moving on from that to, well, email. Yes, uh, the original social network, perhaps. Um, And these are some reports we're we're seeing for Microsoft Outlook and Office 365. Um, Maybe use this for work. Um, The spam filter having a bit of a bad day. Now, I, I didn't see this myself. My day job, I use um, I use Outlook and it's, it's spam filter. It seems to have been working for me. Um, I've, but we I've are seeing reports that a lot of people are getting a lot more spam making it to messages their that I wouldn't have expected. Um, saying that at day job, it looks like someone had a go at our company and, and managed to spam the entire address book. But, you know, that, that happens. <laughs> And that got through various filters. Um, I guess it's one of those things that things break. And yeah, if it if it is the filter that's stopping dodgy content like spam and possibly malicious content as well, yeah. then there is the risk that stuff could get through. And I think the, the main thing to think about is if a, me- a message looks suspicious, yeah. don't open it. Or, or at least if it's got links in it, don't click on them if it's not something you expect. If it says, um, you know, here's your invoice for your Virgin Media uh, account and we're charging you £6,000 this month, that's probably spam or malicious. <laughs> it's probably it not It could real. just be Virgin's latest price rises. Um, <laughs> We'd like to think but, not. <laughs> but, yeah, with, with anything like that, especially if it purports to be coming from a bank or financial institution, yeah. don't click on the links in the email. Go straight to your web browser and go to your bank's website directly. Yeah. Log and in like there. I said, if it, if it was Virgin and you have Virgin, go to their website and check your billing that way. Call customer support yep. or customer care, customer service, and ask them. And like you said, go to your bank's website rather than clicking on any links. If you don't recognize something, picking up the phone and actually calling someone is never a bad thing. It's quite difficult at the moment to fake someone on the phone. Yep. Heading into the phone uh, world, uh, latest uh, latest updates for Ga- uh, Samsung's Galaxy S23. So this is uh, this is their latest model of phone, um, and we're already seeing some software updates. Yeah, the S23 only really shipped in the last couple of weeks. Uh, most people who ordered one will have only been playing with it for about seven to ten days. And yes, there's a security update. The February security updates are now out for Samsung's entire range of supported phones. So that's anything that is within the last four years is probably getting the update from Samsung 
at the moment or is available go into your phone settings and check setting software update and tap download and install to get it that'll be across the samsung galaxy range the a series as well um, the february security update obviously improves android security but on some of their uh, more recent phones they're also updating their one ui uh, which is the the samsung launcher so that's what handles all of your uh, icons on your wallpaper uh, to 5.1 which adds a bunch of new features including a new weather widget yay finally not having to use a third party weather widget um, as well as a bunch of other useful stuff very good and sticking with the phone theme uh, OnePlus who've also had a load of security updates out recently uh, but OnePlus have done some announcements uh, a few weeks back and they've they've teased their OnePlus 11 this is their latest concept phone uh, and it looks like nothing um, that's the nothing phone that we <laughs> talked about uh, a couple of episodes ago with the sort of exposed innards kind of approach so uh, not quite as transparent as uh, as the nothing phone um, but certainly the the kind of luminescent l wire kind of design on the uh, on the back panel of the phone lots of uh, light up blue and white uh, led rings and waves along the uh, uh, along the back Be, of being the, compared the phone. to blood vessels on the back of your phone quite interesting and um i, I wouldn't yes. have made that i would have said sort of rivers or or something like R that, rivers but. i like yeah 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 uh sort of water trickling down from the top of yeah probably don't want your phone in the water um <laughs> i don't think they've got them waterproof yet of course ironically are, but... the the nothing phone company based in london uh were founded by the same founder as oneplus Yes, so we'll uh, wonder we'll, a little bit. <laughs> we'll we'll see whether that's actually going to make it to uh, to the public. I, I do quite like it. Um, in in the same way as the uh, the nothing phone, and I'm I'm kind of a bit of a fan of phones that actually look a little bit different because yes. we black yeah, slab we went through a phase of to. everything being a you know, a black blob yeah. uh, with an assortment of cameras on the back. Something that looks actually a bit like someone's designed it. I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. They are planning to show it all fully at the Mobile World Congress on the 27th of February. Very good, and no doubt we will be talking about that in the next Gadget Guide in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, into delivery vehicles, of course, Starship have been yes. uh, trialling their uh, their wares around Cambridge, having originally uh, come to Camborne a, a few months earlier. Yep, I, I have had Starship delivery. My problem is my road doesn't have a pavement. Does that mean they trundle down the road, or...? That means that they stop at the end of the road... Oh, that's a shame. ...and say, I'm here, come and collect... Now, it is only 20 metres from my front door, but I can't, unfortunately, have them come right up to my front door because not all of Camborne's uh, houses have got pavements in front of them. And it got just depends on, on the, the layout of the village and town as to where there is a pavement that is safe for the robot to go. They wouldn't want it to go down a, a road without a pavement because of the danger of you driving in and over one of their robots. Yes, um, uh, pre presumably if, the, um, if you're a road that only has the pavement one side, then it'll stop opposite it'll, it'll, your house. Well, it'll go down that pavement and, yes, stop, uh, stop yep. on the other side and go, hi, I'm here. And it sends you a notification in the app to say that it has arrived. Um, but what's interesting is the, the technology has now prompted the government to say that, well, actually, we could allow driverless home deliveries where it's a whole van, so a proper vehicle that goes on the road, driven remotely. So this is where you still have, unlike the Starship, so the Starship uh, trundlers are just entirely onto their own steam. They don't have somebody individually driving them. Mm, they, or, they have a control centre. They have a yes, control centre where but, someone but is watching a whole lot of robots at the same time. 
but you don't have one person concentrating fully on one on robot, that robot. No. No. whereas it sounds like this legislation is effectively you have a driver for each vehicle it's just that they are sat in an office rather than in front of the steering wheel so they're still yes. absolutely as responsible as they would be in the car they just aren't in the car or van yes uh so we've all seen grocery delivery vans and i suppose what would happen is it would work like an amazon locker <laughs> which we've also seen uh where the van would turn up outside your house and you have to go and get, get a notification it. and it would you'd go out and you hit yes i'm here in front of the van and it would open the locker on the side of the van for you to take your groceries out or whatever's been delivered to you and I, I guess the advantage here is that you can do things like shift changes without having to yep. bring the vans back to a depot. You don't have to have any room for a, a driver's cab. Um, you make them more compact, more space for, uh, for, for the groceries. Um, uh, and, of course, yeah, less, less concern for the driver safety, yeah. which probably, again, means that you can, you can reduce you, weight you can also and reduce space. Pre-stage things. So if someone's delivery mm. is a 5 a.m. slot, well, let's yes. get the van to their village or town beforehand which if we were having a person sitting in they're really going to be unhappy having to drive a van and sit around from say 2 a.m yeah to deliver your 5 a.m slot so it can be a lot more sociable for the staff who are actually looking after these the one thing that i did like which was an idea was the idea that you could if you were renting a car have it remotely delivered Yes, the and again, you, thing, you don't have the, the how do you get the, the delivery yes. driver back to their place. The thing that concerns me on that is, how do you stop them driving you in the car that you've rented after that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, along with that, for the deliveries thing, you also have to contend with the, the problem of not spots. You know, what happens if it gets driven out to somewhere that doesn't have 4G coverage or, or something maybe fails? Darling dish on the top. Yeah, it's it's going to have to stop safely <laughs> yeah. when it can't can't yeah. control uh, can't be controlled remotely. Yeah. Um, and does that mean you're going to suddenly have a van sort of pull over on the motorway and and stop? And how do you rescue it at that point? And of course, they might not so be on. certified for motorway use. It, indeed, but yeah, can you we're imagine that coming down the A10? Um, you know, one <laughs> of them falls out of mobile phone coverage, and suddenly the A10's uh, backed up. Or, um, so or worse, you get into congestion, and we all know that you can't make a phone call if you're in a traffic queue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll watch that space. Interesting uh, interesting idea and it feels like an interesting trade-off between uh sort of safety and full driverless mm -hmm. that is perhaps a little uh, uh a little sort of closer to reality. Yes. Uh, lastly, uh, interesting bit of use of technology in gaming and this is a uh, British game developer Supermassive Games, who are using some of the new technology in PlayStation VR's, VR 2's eye tracking technology. Uh, so this is basically your console is now watching your eyeballs. Gets a little bit creepy. Uh, it gets slightly creepier in that the game Switchback VR will be able to track your eye movements, and when you blink, your enemies will advance on you. Oh, oh this sounds a, a little bit episode. like <laughs> yes, sweeping angels. Um, <laughs> but it will mean that um, it makes it more immersive. There will also be spatial audio, so you'll be able to hear which direction people are coming from, which sounds just as creepy as uh, when you blink, they will advance on you. Um, it's, it's interesting stuff that's being added to virtual reality and augmented reality, and, yeah, I think we're going to, uh, we're going to see some interesting and possibly quite scary games coming out of this. 
on the whole eye tracking thing, I did spot that uh, Zoom, I think it was, launched a feature um, where they can, I, I'm not sure if it was built into Zoom or, or part of the NVIDIA toolset, um, where you can take your webcam image and then alter it so that you are always making direct eye contact with your camera. So even if you're sort of glancing around the room, it will alter your video in real time so that it always makes you look like you're staring at the person at the other end of the Zoom call. Yes. And it I, is I very weird. From it NVIDIA, looks, I saw that It well. looks correct, <laughs> almost. There is just something oh. that you can tell is a bit, a bit weird. Um, so they've got the eyeballs right, but it doesn't, it looks like you're looking a bit squinty it's on, it's on out of the side no, of your it, 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 it looks, it looks correct. But because people don't naturally hold eye contact 100% of the time, <laughs> it looks a little bit unnatural. So um, they need to add some dither to... Uh, yes, exactly. Just sort of occasionally... Yeah. But there we go. Yes, anyway, I'd like, I'd like my left eye to be lazy and I'll program it. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Wi-Fi and how you can get the best out of your home Wi-Fi in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. New to Cambridge 105 Radio. Queer Cambridge, a programme for the LGBTQ community. There's topical discussion, a look at queer news nationally and locally, and the lowdown on LGBTQ events in the city. Queer Cambridge, Wednesday at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. Do you already have a solar energy system or an electric vehicle on Octopus Go? Are you looking to beat the cost of living increases? A battery storage system from Residential Renewables can store your excess solar electricity. It can even store national grid power overnight when it's cheaper for you to use during the daytime when rates are higher. A Residential Renewables battery storage system can help you reduce your carbon footprint, increase your resilience to power outages. And if you're on Octopus Go with a six-hour window to charge your EV overnight, our systems can make savings of up to £5 per day on your household electric energy bills. Our systems come in a range of sizes to suit your energy needs and all come with a 10-year warranty. To find out more and to arrange a quote, email james at residentialrenewables.co.uk or visit residentialrenewables.co.uk. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business and you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. Cambridge 105 Radio. Where you're listening to The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence and we're talking Wi-Fi now. Probably something yeah, that... Most of us have got sat around at home, but maybe something you don't think about too much. I think everyone takes for granted. We last talked about it about five years ago, and things have changed in the last five years. It's one of those technologies that keeps improving. Now, I say things have changed in five years. If the router that your ISP or your internet service provider um, supplied you is five years old, it's probably time to ask them if they could replace it free of charge. Um, it's always worth a try, and I know some vendors like... Uh, our aforementioned Virgin Media will supply newer 
hubs because you actually never own that hub itself. It's effectively rented to you as part of your contract. And a lot of the technology that goes into Wi-Fi has evolved and keeps evolving. We're on what we call now Wi-Fi 6. Um, so previous standard five and then four, fairly obvious before that. Um, what would have existed about five years ago would have been sort of Wi-Fi, early Wi-Fi 4 type stage. And it's worth doing a test before you worry about your Wi-Fi connectivity. Um, if you're... Uh, if you're struggling with speed, the first test to do, if you can, is to try and find out whether it's your home broadband speed yep. or whether it's your Wi-Fi speed. Yep. And the easiest way of doing that is, if you can, take whatever device it is, um, sit next to your router and plug a network cable in between your router and your laptop or something like that. Do a speed test, and if you just Google speed test, then it'll pop up a little box saying, do you want to do a speed test? Do a speed test next to your router, then take your laptop wherever it is you're having problems, do the speed test again. If you get a similar number, then the limiting factor is your home broadband connection, and yep. maybe that's one to, to look into. If it gets much slower, then the problem is your Wi-Fi, and that's something you can improve with a better Wi-Fi setup inside of your home. You don't need to change your broadband connection. Now, one thing to check is make sure that if you're doing this test, that it is just the one laptop doing the test. Make sure there are no other laptops in the household doing anything. You're not yep, streaming. No, no streaming videos, yeah, no TV. Yeah. Uh, uh, so ideally, if you've got smart devices, turn them all off to do the test because then you're basically doing a true test of your broadband speed on a wired connection, which is the purest connection you can have, and also looking for those not spots or possibly weaker signals. Now, another way to check what's going on as far as coverage around your house is use an app and if you've got a smartphone, this is fairly easy. There are apps available for Android and Apple. The one that I like to recommend is Ubiquiti Wi-Fi Man. If you just search for Wi-Fi Man or just search Wi-Fi Network Channel Analyzer, look for something from a company called Ubiquiti. It's available for iTunes as, uh, on the iTunes uh, iPhone store as well as on the Android Play Store um, and will do some useful things for you. So first of all, it'll do that speed test as well, which is quite useful. Um, but it'll also tell you about all the networks that your phone, where you are standing at that time, can see. So yours as well as next doors and everyone mm. else around the neighbourhood. And on on Wi-Fi, there are a relatively small number of channels. So there's, there's two different frequency ranges that we use for Wi-Fi in the UK, and that is 2.4 gigahertz, which is where everything started, and 5 gigahertz, which is a more recent develop. It's not that not that recent, but it's certainly become a lot more popular in recent years, and there's a lot more space, um, and it can therefore be a lot faster. On 2.4 gigahertz, there's only really three channels that you can use at the same time, because the other ones actually overlap uh, the three main ones. So you're trying to keep your Wi-Fi network as far away from the busiest channels that your neighbours might be using. So if Nextdoor's on channel one, then maybe you should go on channel six or 11. If Nextdoor's are on channel six and 11, then maybe you should be using channel one. So you want to be looking for the, you won't probably in any uh, sort of reasonably built up area, you won't have a completely empty Wi-Fi spectrum to play with. But you're looking for <laughs> if, the if channels. If you do, we which want have to know the, where that is. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Um, you, you do want to be looking for the channels with the weakest other users on them. Not necessarily the fewest, but the weakest signals. Yes, and, and Wi-Fi Man makes it nice and easy on the channel view. It shows you a bar graph of 
channel congestion and you can basically see if if six has got a lower stack of frequency use so basically it's got the shorter graph that's probably the place that you want to think about moving yours to if you're on one of the other ones that is congested with other people's network unfortunately a lot of internet service providers uh routers when they supply them start on channel six not yep. all of them will automatically check to see if there's a better channel. Some of the newer stuff will go, oh, six is a bit busier and I'll try channel one and I'll look at channel 11 and move there if it's more appropriate. Now, the next thing to do is, or rather something not to do, and that's, we would say, really as far as you can, stay away from Wi-Fi repeaters or Wi-Fi range extenders. Um, you can pick these up fairly cheap and there are some situations where they can be useful. If you're really, really struggling with weak signal strength rather than slow speed, then they can help. But most of the time, they will actually make things worse rather than better. And the reason for that is that they they sort of act as, um, you know, somebody standing in between two other people, listening and then shouting. Yeah. So that means that every time you want to download something from the internet, your router has to send that information that you've asked for to the repeater. And then the repeater has to listen to it and then send it on again. So effectively, everything has to be sent twice. And that means that it takes twice as long. And overall, your speed is likely to go down. By as much as better, half. Yes. And, uh, and it really can make a, a substantial uh, a substantial, you know, dent in your uh, internet speed if you use a, a Wi-Fi repeater or an extender. What tends to work a lot better is the more modern mesh Wi-Fi systems. Yes. Now, uh, before you look at mesh, is also think about can you move your router to a more appropriate place in the house? I know that the problem is that uh, it'll have been put in possibly by a BT or a Virgin in a less optimal place, but can you extend that, move it around, or ask them to move it? to somewhere more central in the house, which can help as well to give coverage across the house. But yeah, or, moving or on to... something as, as simple as taking it out from inside a cupboard or under yes. a pile of stuff. Yeah, maybe put it up on top of a shelf or something like that. Yep. Get it Top, top nice of a bookshelf would do better than on a table um, just to cover the house better. Anyway, mesh networking. So mesh networking systems work on very similar principles to wireless repeaters. However, they have a dedicated frequency just for linking themselves up. So... Normally, it's in the 5 gigahertz space, but sometimes they, some of them use a 6 gigahertz and means that you're dedicating that to just linking and not actually providing the connection to your phone and your laptop and everything else that you want to use, which means that you're not halving or reducing the amount of bandwidth available to your devices. And it's got multiple radios, so it can talk at the same time as listen. So it's able to take that information from your router and send it to you at the same time, effectively adding very little delay in that connection. Yeah, and, th and that's definitely something that I've, I've seen have a very good um, effect in some particularly challenging houses. Um, some, some of the systems also let you combine mesh networking and uh, bits of network cable. So the yeah the the sort of the gold standard the the best that you can do is always to run a bit of network cable uh, between your devices that will almost always give better performance than than Wi-Fi assuming yep. that the Wi-Fi is your um, uh, sort of bottleneck um, but some of the mesh, better mesh systems and we'll talk about some of those in uh, in a few minutes time some of the better mesh systems will let you go from your router on Wi-Fi 
to another mesh access point, then on a bit of cable maybe um, to a different floor or through you know through a solid wall, and then onto another mesh access point. So yeah, the, that can be think of them like Christmas pretty, tree lights. Exactly, some pretty uh, pretty complex networks without actually having to uh, to think about the configuration. Generally, these things are self-organizing. So you plug them in, you link them all together once, um, and then they will just decide between themselves uh, what the best way of organizing that network is to get you the best performance and the best coverage. Yes. Now, a couple of things to think about. If you're going to do this sort of thing, you'd probably want to turn off the Wi-Fi in your internet service provider router. So whatever they've provided that's doing the Wi-Fi, you'd turn that off because you want to free up that channel for a start, but you don't want to have multiple Wi-Fi networks ideally in your house. It just makes it more challenging to actually think about which network am I connecting to if there are more than one. Um, but then the Wi-Fi network, uh, the, the mesh network itself. Um, so we've talked about how they work and what they do. Will it work with your existing router? Yes, you'd use a cable from your existing router to your first mesh network device. You'd turn off the Wi-Fi in the router. And then how many mesh network nodes do you need? Now, most kits start with two or three, which should cover an average UK house. Yes, and that's, and that's normally that's, sort of one, one near the router itself, yep. maybe one upstairs, and one in whichever room you you back, sort of, back use of the, the house most. if the route yeah, is in the front exactly. of the house or third floor if you've got a, a taller house you know in the loft room or something like that can give the best coverage um now these range from a few hundred pounds to a few thousand pounds do you need the few thousand pounds top of the range fastest all singing all dancing probably not i tell you what, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some of the different options for mesh Wi-Fi systems that are on the market at the moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. Tuesday nights on Cambridge 105 Radio, Gary Blue plays blues the old-fashioned way, remembering the history of the music and its fascinating stories. Furry Lewis was born in 1893 and apparently he gained the nickname Furry because as a child he refused to get his hair cut. The Blue Show with Gary Blue, Tuesday at 11pm on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly in the slipstream of heroes over Cambridgeshire? To fly a real warbird that trained most of the pilots in World War II? To feel the G-force as you experience what it was like to fly during the Battle of Britain? T6 Harvard offer a range of experiences from local World War II airfields such as Falmere or Peterborough Connington. We offer bespoke flights where you can overfly your house and even do a victory roll. A T6 Harvard flight makes the perfect Christmas gift or birthday present. Flight are available throughout the year and we've a range of packages available. Find out more and book online at t6harvard.com. That's T, the number six, harvard.com. Terms and conditions apply. Cambridge for Ukraine volunteers are currently working closely with the University of Cambridge to provide accommodation for scholars from Ukraine. The University of Cambridge has set up the Ukrainian Academic Support Scheme, which aims to bring to the UK up to 20 postgraduate research students and academics from Ukraine, irrespective of nationality, to continue their studies and research in Cambridge for a period between 6 to 12 months. We're looking for people to host one or more academics or postgraduate research students from Ukraine for a minimum of six months. The hosts will receive £350 per calendar month for up to 12 months from the government. 
If you'd like to receive more information about the scheme, please visit cambridgeforukraine.uk slash host. That's Cambridge, the number four, ukraine.uk slash host. And we are talking Wi-Fi. Um, yes, this might be the thing that's powering your smart speaker if that's what you're listening to us uh, on I at sh- the moment. I don't think there's any smart speakers that really do wired apart from Sonos. No, uh, I think maybe some of the, uh, the fancier um, sort of... Uh, 4K uh, Fire TV sticks and that sort of thing. Um, Even then, I, I think it's an extra add-on to actually yeah. do the Wi-Fi to do the wired. But anyway, uh, we're talking mesh networking and and looking at some of the options available commercially. What you can buy today, and possibly the most interesting thing is you can, if you use BT broadband at home, talk to BT about their whole home Wi-Fi packages or their mini whole home Wi-Fi packages, which are some of the cheaper mesh network platforms and will be fully supported by your ISP. And I I have to say, I would not normally be somebody jumping up and down about BT's internet offering. (laughs) But their their mesh Wi-Fi is surprisingly good. Um, I've helped a friend set it up and it came with their internet connection. Um, if If you've already signed up to BT and you want to add this on, it's about £150. Um, for the hardware, yeah. For, for the hardware. And it it just works. Yeah, um, plug it in, turn it on, and suddenly your Wi-Fi is a whole house and more. Yeah, uh, and uh, we, we were talking a little before the break um, about how you can sort of jump from Word to wireless and then back to Word again. And the BT system does that perfectly. Yeah. Um, a friend's house who's got a little bit of uh, network cabling run through the walls, but not everywhere, not to the room that has the router in. Uh, and it just works. And of course, if you've got one of the recent BT home hubs, that can be one of the nodes. So we, we did say you'd normally want to turn um, turn your router's built-in Wi-Fi off. The BT whole home Wi-Fi is an exception to that. It yeah. can actually daisy-chain off of your BT, uh, BT router. And again, that does a pretty reasonable job. Yeah, and as I said, if if you go for the BT solution, they will fully support helping getting it going as well. So you've got all the backing from your ISP to get this going. Now, it's worth checking if you use a different internet service provider if they have an offering, because a lot of the ISPs who provide service on the OpenReach platform, so that's the fibre optic connectivity delivered by the BT platform, uh, or what was BT, now OpenReach, a lot of those providers have now cottoned onto the idea that people want better coverage and they might have a mesh option that's available. But some other ones that you might have heard of or come across, Google do a Google Wi-Fi Pro and Amazon do the Amazon Eero, double E-R-O Pro systems, both very good and also very easy to set up. They come with an app that takes you through all of the process and they just work as well. If you don't want to stick to uh, to one of the big names, then another really good value uh, Wi-Fi 6 mesh system is the Xiaomi mesh system. It's the AX3000, and it sort of uh, looks a little bit uh, a little bit st- sort of space exploration-y type. Um, some some cubes with uh, with nice neat vertical lines in them, uh, but coming in at sub 100 pounds, around 90 uh, 93 pounds if you head over to AliExpress to go and get it. Um, but that's yeah, that, that's only another £50 per extra node. So if you do want to cover a larger area, um, but with a, a sort of less well-known brand, then the, uh, the Xiaomi AX3000 might be uh, worth considering. Oh, is it your favourite retailer of choice? And this includes the likes of John Lewis as well as Amazon, so online as well as High Street. Just ask about wireless 
mesh networking and see what they've got on offer. Yep, there we go. Um, next gadget guide, uh, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, but the next gadget guide, we are going to be talking about MWC, the Mobile World Congress. That's happening in the next week or so over in Barcelona. Uh, and it's normally an event which yeah, launches an awful lot of the, uh, the the big mobile devices from from pretty much everyone that isn't Samsung and Apple. They do their own things. But we'll, we'll no doubt be seeing some, uh, some cool new technology coming out of MWC. Meanwhile, after the news at seven, Les Ray's here with Strummers and Dreamers. Cambridge 105 Radio.